It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No, we don't. A donkey eat and a donkey eat a palace. <laughs> There's nothing else to eat. He was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, fit. But I burst out laughing. <laughs> so are we having a little mini crisis in Limerick, uh, Paul? Like, I mean, we're looking at this. No wins in the National League out of three games. Two of them are losses. Yeah. Their manager's coming out saying some things he's had to take back. Dear <laughs> Burns is getting sent off, um, suspended for a week. Kyle Hayes is causing a, a big row by pulling the hurl. Seamus Flanagan is getting sent off. Yeah. What's going on with Limerick here? These are the squeaky clean, perfect All-Ireland champions here. Yeah, I get the feeling they're kind of entering a phase. Um, unfortunately, when you're winning, this kind of phase will come along where people start to ask questions of you. And as well, when you're coming to town, you know, the team you're going to be playing won't have an off day. Galway hit them hard last week and probably were niggling and doing a few things, which is expected. You nearly want your team to be doing it. Watford, Welsh Park is a tight pitch as well. And, you know, I was watching the game yesterday and I said, this is perfect for Watford to hit Limerick hard and close them down in small areas. And I suppose maybe Limerick are just experiencing this now that every time, every week they go out, teams are going to be looking to put them off and to maybe, you know, niggle at them, hit them a few digs, whatever it's going to be. Um... And how they react is down to them, you know. So, but you can't have any complaints with the two red cards. I mean, they were they were playing as day. So it's uh, it's I think it's a new phase that Limerick are experiencing at the moment. Well, the Kyle Hayes one was a, a clear red. I'll, I'll I'll discuss the Flanagan one with you in a second. But like they don't, they don't. They, they, you mentioned the discipline and there's a target on their back. Mm. They don't seem to be dealing with that very very well based on the evidence of the league and like I'm thinking of ye 2014-15 All-Ireland champions coming in 2016 I'm sure ye got that yeah. and how did ye deal with it like I mean you know you're, there's lads going to be in your face there's lads going to be going we're here now you know we're yeah, ready yeah, to take yeah. like is your natural reaction if, if you're losing a game and you're always used to winning and Limerick are used to winning yeah. and some whippersnappers telling you you know getting in your face is you, like it, it must take a lot of discipline not to you know give them the butt of the hurl and take yeah, away. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, we've we've had players as well sent off in the past. Um, 
kind of similar enough to this, you know, and uh, not to name players or anything like that, but we sometimes players will just, the emotion just gets the better of them and, and it boils over. But if you are champions and you are, I suppose, you think there's a target on your back when you're going out playing, you do have to say it to yourself, and we would have always said it in dress rooms, look, don't react. They're going to be looking to go out here and they'll target even certain players because you're going to have your players who, on the teams who are probably noted to be hotheads sometimes, you know. So... It, it's down to a player to be disciplined and just say, if they are niggling, okay, they're niggling, but why are they niggling? Because they want you to react. They want you to do this to get yeah. you sent off. So as much as a skill in the game is being focused for the game or even the physical skills of the game, a skill as well is not to react. If a fella's in your face and you know he's niggling and he's doing different things, ask yourself, why is he doing it? He's doing it to put you off and he's doing it hoping, best case scenario, you hit him and then he'll hit the ground. So it's a skill to be learned and probably something that they're they're learning at the moment. Yeah, because like, I mean, the easiest thing when somebody's niggling at you, I'm sure, like, I mean, it's Kyle Hayes or whatever. Mate, we're all Ireland champions. Go in, don't be annoying me. That's like, that's the answer. But like, yeah, I mean, as yeah. Kyle Hayes does seem to me to be one of those kind of hotheads. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I'm sure yeah. in 2016, if you're playing somewhere, listen, buddy, we're double All-Ireland champions. Like, that would shut them up straight away, you yeah, know? Yeah, I think that comes down. I don't think Kyle Hayes would be going saying that. Certainly, it's something that I'd, I wouldn't be saying to a player because that's that's nearly different again. It's nearly showing that you're arrogant or something like that. And right. That nearly gives fuel to the other team again because they're, he's going back into the dressing room saying that you're saying that. The Kyle Hayes one was an interesting <laughs> one because I think he was throwing up the ball, clearing it, and then he turned around and I, I don't know, was it Jamie Barron or whoever was right in on top of him and he swung for the ball but I think he knew he wasn't going to strike it and he just said oh, I'll just swing here altogether it wasn't like he deliberately as he was throwing the ball thinking I'm going to do a player here I get, now, he continued know. with he the shot up, yeah. I'm blocked I'm just going to swing here now the game is <laughs> over I'm just going to swing it wasn't as malice I think as it as it looked Right. what about Irla Daly thought he was in the UFC coming in with a few knees into I think that was Kyle Hayes you know yeah. in UFC where you have them up against the cage and you bring in a few yeah, knees yeah, that's yeah. what uh, Irla Daly I saw that, yeah. we, we actually we had to rewind it we were watching it in the house and we had to rewind it because it was such a melee we just saw knees and boots being kicked so we had to rewind it a few times say whose boot is that or who's when kicking have you ever seen knees in a, in a GA fight before well I think players are looking going if I swing the hurl here it's plain as day and I'm gone whereas I might, I might get a dead leg into someone here now and that'll do a job on someone it's definitely a new move I hadn't seen it before Seamus Flanagan so let's talk about this sending off I, I thought it was harsh now I'm a fan of Seamus Flanagan but that's not clouding my, my judgement on it how much would stuff like that go on off the ball because we saw the Cahill Barrett one as well where mm. he pulled um, Mannion's um, Mannion's neck mm. and we didn't see the actual incident but like yeah. you're a cornerback this kind of stuff's going on the whole time do you go yeah. down for that you know well the, the one with um, the one with Seamus Flanagan like it did look like it was the the, the, the the hand he had the hurl in as well which if you're swinging a hurl like you shouldn't be doing it you shouldn't swing the hurl because you're leaving yourself wide open yeah. even if you don't connect if a player hits the ground it looks like and the referee only gets one look at it the umpire only gets one look at it it looks like you're after hitting him so it, I, it's a silly one for me now to be honest. and I think to be honest he did connect with Conor, Conor Leeson and Conor Leeson had a genuine reason I don't think Conor Leeson's the type of player who goes down like that you know if you get a snig of a hurl in the head it's, it's going to be was sore it the enough. head or the shoulder I thought it was a harmless kind of shoulder yeah kind of. it's hard to tell it, I just saw the hurl going back it's hard to tell I'll give Conor Leeson the benefit of doubt and say it, it, it was in the head but the other side we're looking at as well is and again I'm not saying that it's what Conor Leeson did you know players are highlighting it referees a small bit more and maybe we're touching on what John Kiley said players are highlighting it which at the same time if, you're, if you've been struck by a player if you're merely just highlighting it to the referee you're in, now we're in the grey area of is he right or wrong to go down but we are seeing more players I think Park Mannion thought about it at the weekend when Noel McGrath hit, hit him a shunt in the collarbone he thought about going down yeah. and he stayed up so we are seeing players who are 
probably just highlighting it to the referee that I'm after getting a shot here I'm going down so it's, it is something to, that's, that's happening at the moment it, it, It's not the hurling way though is it Paul because I saw Eddie Brennan tweeting about this and it's like Flanagan can't argue but uh, Flanagan can't argue that red but I really think there's nothing in the belt that merits a lad lying down um, the crew treating him and giving out and other players looking for red cards that's not the game of hurling and we need to be very careful what we wish for like I, I imagine from being at hurling games you see little things where you might give a jab at a hurl to the hip or into, and a lad takes it I might give him one back and they keep walking mm. is the culture going to change now that the minute that happens you go down or you know yeah yeah, I know what you're saying it, 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 we, we've seen examples of it over the last few years and it has been creeping in the last few years because players know referees are under scrutiny at the moment and they're trying to get every call right and they know as well like if you pull the face guard you know if if someone pulls the face guard with me and I stay standing now it's down to the, the referee if he's going to see it or not but if I highlight it and go down not saying that's something I do but if I highlight and go down to be honest I do, it's not it's not the way it's not the way players should be conducting themselves but if the rules benefit the player if he hits the ground and he highlights it to the referee and the referee's like I have to make a tough call here now and the umpires might have half seen it they saw hurl being swung whatever that's the area we're getting into now so we are seeing more players go down it's not the way we want to see the players behaving on the pitch but we, I think we're entering a kind of a, a little area here now where we will see more players going down to flag it to the referee or to the umpires. Yeah, if they're giving out. I'm, my, st- my mind is still thinking of you saying that if you were to, you know, trash talk about the two All-Irelands, that it would be in your head that he'd go in the dressing room, tell everyone and they'd come out, you know. With yeah, a, yeah. I, I wish someone told me that before. Yeah, <laughs> no, to be honest, I'd, I'd even just kind of be thinking like there's some things you, you can go far enough on a pitch. Like we're talking obviously about the sledge inside of the house, but to be honest... I t- I was I'd always take it as a compliment if a fella's coming in like mouthing at you, you're going Jesus he really he, he really thinks I'm that important that he has to mouth at me here now or he has to put me off so I just let him off and just let him feel but different players react differently other yeah. players will say something that if if that's their way of doing it to, to to put another player off but yeah it's it's um I'd say different people have different opinions on how to react so. yeah maybe they're Tipperary are back scoring goals anyway mm. so they got two goals they hadn't scored one um in the league so far I know it's only two ga- two games and lots of teams are in the same boat not scoring enough goals Dublin mm. got their first one out of three games with Hayes there at the weekend as well McGrath's pass for the Ford goal was absolutely beautiful like yeah. in behind and Ford made a very clever run that was a, a beautiful goal then Ford's or then McGrath's own goal um, mm. should a goalie have saved Ford's one? Yeah I suppose not being a goalkeeper I, I'm always kind of hesitant to, to be hard on goalkeepers but they were at a nice height for him and they weren't stuck away even even Noel McGrath's one was at a kind of a nice height for him but again the ball's travelling fast um, you know it probably just slipped through Like, but uh, I, I suppose look he might be a small bit hard on himself now today kind of saying you know I should have stopped them and work on it in the future but they were certainly savable goals but they were still they were struck very well so you can't have too many complaints yeah. either. Were they maybe a little bit too close to his body that he couldn't get the, the big boss close you know yeah. if they were a bit further yeah. away from him he might have had a better chance is that a weird thing to That's say? That's it yeah and when it flashes by you you know sometimes we see goals going between the keeper's legs and stuff and sometimes they just when they flash too close to you you actually can't get to him because it's, it's, it's a little bit too hard so but plus as well if a ball is struck hard enough it's sometimes it doesn't really matter as long as it doesn't you don't strike it at the keeper if it's travelling fast enough it's hard enough to stop it you know so it yeah. can maybe look the likes of spreading yourself a bit wider and hoping that it just hits somewhere on the body might be a tactic going forward Right okay what about Noel McGrath's celebration for his goal you don't often see him reacting like that this is a league yeah. game this is the third league game yeah. um, 
this is a multiple All Ireland winner. Yeah. I think it was the the bit of button heads with Mannion maybe that maybe inspired the celebration. Yeah, it? well, look at he's 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 going well as well. In fairness, like and he's been obviously look unfortunately he he was sick a few years ago as well and out of the team and different things. But he's in centre forward at the moment and like Noel McGrath, it's something I, I un, until people really see the stats with Noel McGrath, he gets on an enormous amount of ball in the game and. I think people think he actually gets on less ball than what he actually does, but I'd say he averages maybe 18 possessions or 20 possessions a game. Um, and what he does with the ball is excellent as well. You know, you see last week we're looking at, he took a, a short sideline, popped back to him, stuck it over the bar. He does the simple things really well. And the likes of Ford's goal, when he got the ball, he wasn't showing off. It was the pass he needed to do to give it. And he also drew the two defenders when he did it. So what he does, he does really well. And he was he was lively for his own goal then. He tried to flick it through to, I think it was Ford was inside again. He tried to strike it on the ground through. It broke down, but he reacted and Park Mannion didn't react. And he went through, got it, stuck it in the net. So I think he was just, you see him at the moment, he's on form. He's enjoying what he's doing. And even the celebration, you know, it wasn't showing off. It was just instinctive that he was motoring fairly well. And I think he came away with one, two maybe for the, yeah. for the day. So look, he's going well at the moment. He's clearly enjoying himself and it's, it's, it's great to see him moving well. It doesn't look like himself. I say Mannion's a real competitor as well. It didn't look like they got on too, too well. Like, I mean, I'm sure mm. there's little rivalries going on. I think the league's been a bit more competitive than I probably had predicted. Not like even in Gaelic football or in, or in hurling. They're yeah. like, I mean, I suppose these teams don't know how to play kind of, yeah. you know, they're, yeah. they're just competitors and they, you know, they don't like each other probably a lot of the time. And yeah. we're yeah. probably just, it's impossible for them to play out an easy going game. Yeah, that's it. The first, the first few games games as well were probably you know players were more concerned about getting onto the pitch and, and they were finding their feet really we would usually with those games are out of the way early enough on the Welsh Cup is on or you know the Munster League is on or whatever it's going to be so the first one or two games probably lacked the edge but now we're seeing again but I think the, the the one common denominator as well is in the hurling is Galway. Galway went up to Limerick and there was a bit of an eagle in the in the Limerick match, yeah. and now they went down. But also Limerick Washford at the weekend, there was an edge to it as well. So yeah. I think players are kind of finding their form. Um, they're going week to week, and it's getting a bit more competitive. So we are seeing a bit more of an edge coming into the games, which is great. It's it's brilliant. Carl uh, Barrett actually mentioned that in his interview after the game. He mentioned that Galway are a very physical team. Are mm. they like was that yeah. Michal Donahue's stamp? Because they wouldn't might not necessarily have been that like that before then. Yeah, no. Well, we would always associate them with being a physical team anytime we would play them they're probably you know we said it last week they're they're probably the physically most uh, I suppose strong team they're they're the tallest team but they'll always hit you and they'll always use it Um, so yeah I I didn't actually see Carl Barrett's interview but they would when you're you're preparing for Galway you're preparing that there's lads going to be getting into your face and you know whether it's the Mannions or the Coonies or whatever it is they always seem Johnny Glynn and these lads they always seem to have lads who will stick it up to you and stick it up to you in a manly way they don't go about their business you know um, behind the scenes or anything with butts of hurls or anything but I mean if you look at like Conor Whelan he's a huge player like I mean he's very physically strong why wouldn't you use it if you're on the pitch so if you are preparing for Galway you're preparing for a physical battle and lads who will hit you fairly hard Yeah Bonner Maher the big news coming out of Tipperary is Bonner Maher has gone um, for the year incredibly popular player mm. it's easy to see why because he's so direct and you yeah. know what I mean he'd get you up off your seat because he's so and he, he, there's no fear in him at all did his, did his Achilles I've mm. never done it but I, yeah. I, Jesus it's one thing you only have to pinch it to know yeah, how sore yeah. that would bloody be but like yeah. I mean um, Liam Sheedy said his heart went out to him could be him gone now for good would it but Paul he's like, yeah. you know, coming back from the cruciate and now, now another blow like this yeah it's a hard one to know I mean there are two big injuries any one of those in your career now and you know you're working hard to get back from it um, it's unlucky for, it's unfortunate, should I say, for the Bonner because 
like you said, he's probably admired across the country. Well, he is admired across the country, but he's one of those players who just goes about his business. And throughout the years around him, he would have had, you know, Shamie Callan and Lara Corbett, Bubbles Dwyer, these lads probably scoring and taking a bit of the limelight, Owen Kelly and these lads. But I always thought that Bonnermar was the engine for that Tipperary forward line. Like he comes out and he gets the ball at midfield or he'll wing forward and he'll get a block. And I've marked him many a times, lucky enough to hurl with him with the army as well. And he's just a great fella. Off the pitch as well, he's a great fella. He wouldn't say anything to you on the pitch. He's too busy running after the ball and hounding and tackling. And it's just his way, you know. And off the pitch, he's very unassuming, you know, really positive fella. And so even when I saw the news now, I was kind of saying, geez, you know, that's very tough. You want to see Bonner Mar playing. And again, at this stage of his career, you don't want to see him picking up these big injuries. So it's it, it, it's unfortunate. And I think the, the hurling community as a whole feel for Bonner Mar this, this weekend. Yeah, definitely. He's brilliant on kind of getting onto a breaking ball and then just breaking through a line, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, that was it. And like if you had, I mean, if we, if we came up against them, Tipperary over the years, Bonner was kind of a fella if you wanted to throw him in on top of Jackie Turrell he'll hurl on Jackie Turrell and he'll give digs and he'll, you know, he's physical that way yeah. but also if you want to put him on I suppose you want to put him out centre back and win the balls he'll do any job you really want him to do and what he kind of does is it frees up the players around him to stand away from the rooks we would have always looked at Lark Harbert as a player who will drift outside and if a ball is won in the rook the ball popped out to Lark Harbert and he'll finish it it was usually Bonner Mar was inside in the ruck, flicking and blocking, and he would just get the ball out. And it's a huge role to have in a team. And it's, he's yeah, it's it, it'll it'll be certainly missed for Tipperary. Come here, I meant to mention the the Noel uh, McGrath goal. Mm. Um, where did that come from? A long ball from Seamus Kennedy. It is, it's not dying, and it was a mistake from Young Morrissey. who popped yeah. out of his hands. But yeah. listen, you can get all your little diagonals all you want, but there's, what's wrong with getting the odd one down this, in there? Well, this is it. This is uh, I, I saw people jumping on it straight away, saying the long ball. Here we are. Why aren't lads hitting it? But again. Again, it goes back to the argument of it's the balance of if you use the short ball working every so often, players will step out and you can use the long ball then. But if you keep yeah. booming them up, I mean, against Galloway, what are you going to do? Land it down on top of Dahi Burke. I mean, it's going to be a silly one. So it does work. But again, look at what happened before and after. The, there was a balance between the ball being worked around the pitch and then hit a long ball every so often. So look, it uh, it kept the traditionalists happy the weekend anyway. Keep them guessing. That's yeah, that's yeah. that's the that's the one. So like I mean, the the last talking point before we get into the two matches is obviously you were getting ready to watch Kilkenny in Wexford because I was mm. texting you on Friday. I said that's the you know you you <laughs> yeah. you have a look at that one and um like I mean it ends up getting called off. And this is very confusing, Paul, because we've no idea what's going on. So Brian Lowen on League Sunday last night says, we were contacted by the HSE to say that two of the Wexford players had nominated two of our players as close contacts. In one instance in particular, where a substitute came on for Wexford, he named one of our players as a close contact. So I find it very unusual that that would be the case. Now, before we started recording, Wexford have denied that their players nominated um, Clare players. Um, that was in a statement from the county board. Now, how the hell did the HSE find out who these two Clare players were? Like, yeah. I mean, was a HSE player like in, in the stand in Cusick Park seeing who was marking? Like, how yeah. do you believe that? How did the HSE get these two Clare players' names? Yeah. How were they deemed as close contacts? Mm-hmm. And how the hell did this whole... Me- this is an absolute mess. How the game's called after it? Yeah. I don't know what to start off with here. Maybe we'll start off with how the hell the Clare players... But yeah. we're only speculating because we've no yeah. idea. We've no, we've no idea how it came about. And I suppose we have to take everyone at their word first that you know Wexford are after coming out saying they didn't nominate them. But the big question is there, well, where did the names come from? Um, I, 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 saw, um, I saw the interview with Brian Lowen on League Sunday 
yesterday and you know he was very restrained in what he said which I thought had fair play to him you know because it'd be easy to go out and say a few things that you'll have to be taken back on Tuesday like John yeah. Kiley was doing so but it is I'm un- I completely understand and I have sympathy for Clare because Clare did exactly everything they're meant to do and you're not expecting that another team then because of something that's going on in their camp is now going to infringe on your camp so yeah. Brian Lohan 100% they've been doing everything they're meant to do but now where's the guidance here where did this come from this was something that I think we were all kind of saying we thought we were in the clear as long as we respected the rules that we didn't think other teams were going to infringe um, you'd, you'd have to presume that the names were given to the HSE like from the Wexford camp well you would you'd have like, to presume I mean, you, you, you know. would have to presume and both clear, clear players it has to be said tested negative so mm. they were disrupted all week I'm sure yeah. the two chaps couldn't go to work yeah. if they're in work or whatever they were doing in their own private lives and they couldn't play the game yeah. so this was outrageous as far as I'm concerned because opposition players are not close contacts and they never have been Paul yeah. your, your own teammates are not close contacts unless you travel to training with them yeah. so this is a total me- it's a mess up from the HSE as well let's be fair because mm. when they even if they were given those two names they should read what the the, the close contacts are and what they're defined as and say yeah. hang on a second you know you're only marking them out in the fresh air. They're not close contacts. They're okay. Yeah, I suppose when like we're obviously thinking about it from a GAA point of view, but like I, I would always say that HSE are obviously extremely busy at the moment, and you know, understandably, probably don't necessarily care who's marking who or what's going on. Um, I, I like I mean the HSE are just doing their job, and if they were told maybe that they were given the names, I don't think they would have pushed it to as far as well. Where did you meet these fellas? I'm sure they were just asked for a list of names you were close contact with, right. and these people may have popped up. I, I I wouldn't question the HSE in this regard in terms of you know that they should have used their judgment. I'm sure they're dealing with thousands of close contacts on a weekly basis. So I, I think no, just on that, I think Brian Lowen alluded to the fact that they tried to fix this with the the HSE okay. representative in Clare and they refused to you know to, okay, yeah, to not redefine them as the close contacts. Okay, you know, right. they, which yeah, which yeah. probably was a little bit disappointing yeah. maybe in that as well. Another uh, layer to this is that which makes it even if you're a conspiracy theorist and you're trying to say you know this was all done by Wexford to disrupt Clare and you're like oh, I, I just refuse to go there I think this was a mess uh, some sort of a mess up but it is getting a bit interesting mm. no Wexford player was deemed as a close contact of these players yeah. two Clare players Wexford stayed down the night before Yeah, they travelled out together they were in huddles together Yeah, yeah, yeah. and not, not one of their teammates were nominated now Wexford are saying we didn't nominate anyone mm. So yeah. what was going like? I've there's yeah. just so many different things. There's here. a lot of things, and I think we wouldn't be talking about it half as much if five Wexford players were named as close contacts. Also, we'd be just going and the two clear ones. There probably would be a conversation about it. The fact that it's it hasn't been the norm up to now that two clear players, but the fact that no Wexford player has been named as a close contact, and like you said, it's not as if they travelled on the day. They stayed down the night before. And look, we're all grown ups. Did you not spend fifteen minutes in the company with someone else within two meters? Um, so again, it's 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 the biggest news this weekend, really. And there's lots of questions I suppose to answer. We probably won't get the answers. The story will probably have blown over by the time we figure out what's after happening. But certainly, the rumor mill will be flying at the moment as to, and it it, it probably won't help with Brian Lowen and Davy Fitz at the moment. Well, that's, you know, that's going to be another conversation point. But yeah, look, it's interesting. Um, it's unfortunate for the two Clare players as well also because I'm sure they're fighting for jerseys at the moment and they're kind of saying we did nothing wrong here now we want to be fighting for our jerseys here so it's a strange one and it's it's after really I suppose taking the headlines for the last few days Yeah I, There has to be an investigation in to find out mm. what happened because the, the, 
what Claire's saying and what Wexford's saying are not adding up. Yeah. So what's the truth in this and what's happening? Because you're right, the two Clare players are the two victims in, in yeah. all of this. And another thing is, Kilkenny and Wexford, Kilkenny panel are victims in it and they've missed out in a game they were preparing for. Yeah. And why was the game called off? There was three positive cases. Fermanagh were made play a game last year in the National League, yeah. a relegation match yeah. that decided a relegation. I did 17 positive cases, Paul. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. why has it gotten to the stage that Wexford are able to get this game called off for three? Mm. Like, I mean, and when you're defining your teammates as non-close contacts, unless yeah. you're travelling together or living together, that's not enough to call off a game. Now, yeah. conveniently, there is the following week. I have to point out that in the Fermanagh situation, there was no space yeah. in the calendar for that game to reschedule to be rescheduled. But with Wexford and Kilkenny, there was. But three cases calling yeah. off a game? Yeah, I, I, I don't get that one either, to be honest now, because you had two on the Monday or Tuesday and there was no talk of it being called off. Well, not that I heard of anyway. So once the third case came along on the Saturday, the Friday or the Saturday and it was cancelled. Um, again, like you said, Fermanagh played with 17 players missing. To, to be honest, if if players aren't a close contact, these COVID cases should just be treated as injuries, really. We don't have these players and that's it. If the HSE have given guidance that the rest of you are not close contacts. Now, if Wexford had turned around and say our entire panel our close contacts, we want to postpone the game or give or concede it or whatever, fine. But the fact that it's we want to postpone it because we have three Essentially, these are three injuries is what you have. Yeah. Um, players can't play the match. You have no concern over the rest of the players. So, fine. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, again, it's a tr- even the timing of it. Saturday morning is, is, is a tricky one. So, there's lots of stuff with this case at the moment where there's lots of questions that kind of need to be answered and they'll only fuel the rumour mill until they're answered. Yeah, no, it's definitely a weird one. Come here, we'll finish up on a, on a lighter note. Joe Canning's pass to Conor Cooney from the sideline, right? Or for a point from the sideline now we've seen Joe doing this mm. usually with David Burke yeah like I mean when you're playing Galway is that something you will discuss watch him from it like because yeah. obviously the traditional thing is to now, I, I know a lot of them are being taken short now but they're obviously little scuttery ones and then you get the one two yeah whereas Joe's nearly Joe, Joe's doing it like football where he's actually picking out a pass he's picking out a very, player, yeah. Yeah. nobody really ever does that do they no I think he did it as well if I'm right I think he did it with Joseph Cooney last year against us in the Leinster final in the first half he made a run up the middle and just again stuck it but it's the fact that I mean if you are lucky enough to get the sideline off the ground because some players again me being one will just scutter it along the ground sometimes but like Joe's able to hit it at the perfect height just to stick it how, into someone's how hands. does he do that? Yeah it's it's a great skill to have and there's some players are able to do it but he has not only the ability to do it but the confidence to do it in a game like that it's a brilliant skill to have but also to be able to stick it to their hand as they're moving or p- to put it within the area where they can control it it's an incredible skill um, and again it goes back to the argument where people are saying at the moment of potentially a heavier ball the likes of this would be gone and it's a great skill to have and I think to be honest he's opening doors where more players will look at this and go actually I might try this in the club game and we'll see it a few more times it's a great skill to be seen to be done and uh, sure who, who else only Joe doing it Yeah, because I know Austin Gleeson's obviously a brilliant one at that but Austin Gleeson usually just does high ones because yeah. we saw him doing them even against Limerick there and he's getting them down the field that he's good yeah. I haven't seen Austin Gleeson I've never seen anyone doing what Joe's able to do at hand height yeah it's a different it's a different skill again because so obviously the angle he's putting the hurl he's either going mm. high flat yeah. like I'm thinking of golf again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's using a one iron I think it is and he's, he's hitting it low but uh, a stinger or whatever you want to call it but yeah it's I don't know what he's doing and to be honest there now I'm the wrong guy to be asking as to what he's doing my, my rule is get it over the first man and then you've done your job yeah you're not too bad alright we'll leave it there and we'll come back and take a look at the two matches
All right, we'll start with Waterford and Limerick. So Waterford obviously won by four points in the end. And Paul, they had to win this. Yeah. Let's call a spade a spade. Like, I mean, if Waterford couldn't beat Limerick at home with a wind, with a man up, with yeah. Austin Gleeson sweeping, yeah. you know, they might as well have forgotten about it, honestly, because they were up for that. Yeah, they were. And I think it was maybe 10 points to five uh, when Seamus Flanagan was sent off. And um, yeah, straight away you were just saying, well, they have to win this now. Like, as, to be serious contenders... Any team you're playing, if you're playing against them for, I don't know, was it 40 minutes or so with uh, their player down? Yes, If you're serious, you have to beat them, you know. And they did in fairness to it and it wasn't easy. Again, they had a bit of a wind, and but they used it. They didn't just panic, they used it. They hit a good few wides, yeah. But um, there was great displays all over the pitch as well. I know we had Austin at centre-back, but, um, you know, Jack Fagan had an absolutely brilliant game. Talk Halem Lines was flying as well, in three points from wing-back, corner-back direction, you know, and Conor Prunty was hurling well. So they did what they had to do and it was a great win for them and, a, and an important win at that to get it at this stage in the league. So let's talk about Austin Gleeson then. So he played centre-back, but then when the sending off happened, he went as a sweeper. Mm. And he was able to double up on things. He was able to get on the ball. He's a brilliant long-range shooter. And then I'm wondering, like... Wexford tactics of bringing a forward back like you said the last time now you're seven versus six yeah. is that the way forward against Limerick because you know the other option is to use your centre back you yeah. know and let him drop but then you're letting Keane Lynch go out around midfield yeah. are you not better off leave one of the defenders kind of free than yeah. let Keane Lynch have a free roll well that's it you kind of have to ask a question Limerick don't play with a sweeper so maybe they haven't prepared to have a sweeper there now you're also taking the chance that you're going to leave Sean Finn or whoever free who yeah, does potentially deal with that. but that's the I suppose that's you know if you leave Keane Lynch free, he's just going to have a field day knocking around. So it certainly was interesting, but, it, it, you know, Austin Gleeson was doing a great job before the man, before Seamus Flanagan was sent off. It, and it just heightened it a small bit more then that he was able to go free. But something they did really well in the first half was once the ball the ball came down the right-hand side, let's say around the, the water right-half back position, and I think Austin picked up one or two of them and he sprayed it to the far side of the pitch yeah. and there was nobody there. And Watford had clearly, I suppose, identified this as a potential place where they, a channel that will open up once once Limerick gets sucked into it. I don't think they got many scores off it. They maybe got one or two, but it was the fact that the Austin Gleeson had the awareness, sprayed it across, and now Limerick were looking going, right lads, we can't commit so much to the ball. We're, we're looking at these lads running up the opposite channel as well. So they used it really well, and Austin Gleeson, I suppose we'd associate him sometimes as shooting from 100 yards, and he got a great point at the weekend. But it was more the fact that he was getting the ball, having a look, and his deliveries were top class as well. So it was, I suppose, a really refreshing way, and he was hurling with great confidence as well. So it was great to see it. They, like, is that something Waterford are missing? They seem to me like, you know, the Caleb Lyons, the Jamie Barons, they're a constantly running team. Whereas mm. sometimes I see Desi Hutchinson in there and say, he's not getting any ball. Like, I mean, he, yeah. is, is that why they're trying not having a look at it? Well, like, Austin has experience there, mm. but like, I mean, is that obvious that maybe they need someone who's sticking in those good passes? in yeah yeah potentially it is because you know Desi Hutchinson we've seen him inside he's he's electric you know and he gets the ball and he is a, a forward that can cause serious problems for teams so the question is I suppose how do they create the space in the first half they didn't really feed the full forward line that much and the only balls they were getting through it could be because of the wind or how Limerick were setting up but the only balls they were getting through it was because of Jamie Barron and Jack Fagan and he's making those runs but I think like that you know Jamie Barron's going to keep going and you know you have Jack Fagan and these lads in Caleb Lines to make these runs. So the other side of it is that while those lads are making these runs, you can then, it's like going back to the, the long ball with Tipperary where if you're doing those runs a few times, every third ball or so, you can ping it into the corner Desi Hutchinson and now the team doesn't know, the opposition doesn't know if you're running at them or if you're going, because you're playing it both ways and now you're asking serious questions of the opposition. What do we do? Track the runners, 
push up in them or now we're creating space for the full forward line. So they got both sides of it right. They ran the ball quite a lot and they got great points off it. But also then they started to free up the full forward line a small bit to start getting those balls into the corner. And Austin Leeson was a great man to feed that ball. Yeah, Patrick Curran came on actually for Hutchinson. He scored three great points, but the game had opened up at that stage. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I'd say Desi's looking from sitting on the bench going, ah, Jesus. Like, yeah, here we running, are. Now. I've been running around like a lunatic here. And yeah, he just yeah. comes on and gets handier balls. But that happens sometimes. But the only good thing about, like... Uh, playing Austin Gleeson for example as a sweeper against uh, Limerick is that your entire halfback line then marks the entire Limerick half because they can yeah. you know and that's the big conundrum with Limerick yeah. you know and that's yeah. one thing that, that bringing back that extra defender it gives you that extra security the Morrissey Lynch uh, Hegarty trio are man marked all over the field yeah. for me it seems like th- this maybe a solution instead of this do two half backs stay back who picks up do we have to swap the like you know yeah. our half forward line now has to pick them up and then who's watching you know there, there's yeah. a lot of messing around and swapping players whereas yeah. you just bring back one forward Everyone marks their man. Yeah. Now let's deal with how we're going to get it around their spare man at the other end. Yeah, yeah. And I think as well, this tactic works really well at Welsh Park. Not saying it's a, it is a smaller pitch than Crow Park. And I think we all know that. So you're going to be, you have less area to cover to actually close down the Limerick lads. So it worked really well there yesterday. I think overall what we're seeing is that what's effective really against Limerick and, you know, worked for us in 2019 was your half forward line have to track back that bit more because like you said you want your half backs to be marking the Limerick players you want every lad called for and you're saying about bringing back a spare man those spare men for me if you want to play it against Limerick is the midfield pushing back into the half back line when Limerick have the ball close them out but also you need your half forward line John Donnelly did a brilliant job for us Walter Welch did a great job even TJ when we played them of just look when we don't have the ball you're getting back here whatever way we break these lads down we break them down and then flood forward once we get it which we saw Waterford doing so again I still don't think I mean Tyke DeBurko probably won't be back this year I, I don't know whether it's it's come out yet but he probably won't be back this year so obviously Waterford are looking at this with Austin Gleeson I think if Tyke DeBurko comes back Austin Gleeson won't be there they'll push him up a small bit more but maybe it's a good launching pad for him that he's back that little bit further he's not getting crowded out himself inside in the forward line and he can give that good delivery to Desi Hutchinson. So maybe it is a good tactic for Watford potentially meeting Limerick in the future. Yeah, it was interesting. The two Gleasons went back into the backs, and the two Bennets went up into the forwards. Didn't yeah, it? like I mean, wasn't it? But yeah. Shane Bennett, I suppose, didn't re- didn't really get into the game. But it's his first game back. Um, yeah. you know, in a long time, it'll take him. I tell you, if Waterford got Parik Mahoney and Tyg de Burke back. Mm. They'd be, ser- they'd be right up there with the top teams at that stage, wouldn't they? Yeah, and, and they always have been. I think the thing with Watford is just the consistency over the few years. Like, once, once Watford got their confidence up in any game, they just seem to... They, they can beat any team, and that's basically it. I didn't actually know that Shane Bennett was back yesterday until... It, it was funny, I was watching the game with, with Conor Fogarty, and we're looking at it, and the fella ran in for a ball. I said, geez, he's like a Bennett. I said, who was that there? And it turned out to be Shane. And a Mark Shane... He was wearing five. He was wearing five, which usually you're used to seeing him wearing 10 or 13 or something, but... He, I've marked him a few times and he's a great hurler. He's an absolute... And he's a, it's great to have him back in there because, you know, we've seen what Stephen can do over a few years. Shane, a few years ago, was hurling better than Stephen again. But the two of them add, you know, a serious element of danger to that Watford team. And like you said, you know, if we get Tyke to work it back there, if we get Park Manny back there, I mean, that's that's brilliant again. And Patrick Curran, again, hurling well. Patrick Curran, a few years ago, I think he was on for Young Hurler of the Year. I mean, he was hurling absolutely brilliant. Okay, he's drifted in and out of the team since. So he's another great fella that if he gets on form again, great great forward to have in there for Watford. Yeah, Jack Fagan showed a little bit more, uh, I suppose, after his semi-final 
you know, which was one of the most outrageous performances. Mm-hmm. He didn't probably reproduce it in the final, but yeah. we saw him back with the good paw again yesterday. The goal yeah. was unreal. That was over Kyle Hayes. He caught that ball. Yeah, great catch. And the hang time of him, I don't know how to use that in <laughs> hurling or maybe basketball, but yeah, he just got up for a ball. He was hanging there. Great catch. And then straight away, once he hit the ground, he, he was turning for goal. That was it. I think he made another great catch down the far end. Maybe, I think it was in the first half yeah, over in his own position. Yeah. yeah. He has a great, great, great hand on him, and even in that semi-final against us last year, you know, I was, I was sitting up in the stand, had a great view of him there, back and back on our puckouts. Caleb Lyons was there holding on to Walter Welch, and Jack Fagan was just dropping back, and he'll put the hand up, and he's a great leap on him. So if it, it, when the game opens up and we see those balls landing on top of him, it's a great asset to have that he'll put the paw up and it'll stick. You know, yeah, no, it definitely will. Liam Cal said afterwards about Limerick, like Liam Cal, like is the one kind of after every league game win or lose say ah look you know we're building for the championship which is probably what they're yeah. they're all saying but he said like you know what Limerick are a serious opposition even down to 14 men there today they never they were never going away they always looked like they could get something out of the game and I'm sure John Kiley won't be too worried either to be fair like I was you know we're talking about their discipline and stuff at the start but to be fair Watching the game, you never were sure Waterford were going to win it, even though no. they're at home with the wind, with a man up. Like I yeah. mean, it just gives shows you the measure of Limerick. And I think Liam Cal is right. John yeah. Kiley won't be in the least bit worried about. No. no, not at all. I mean, he won't be. He won't be anyway concerned. I mean, you know, there, there's players there. He hasn't played his All Ireland team since last year. He's clearly rotating through players, and I think what he's happy about is he's seeing a lot of players. And again, John Kiley will know. And it's like we were saying at the start of the show. John Kiley will know that every time, wherever they go, when they come to town teams are using them as a gauge as to where we are at the moment and if we look at each team to play them they're putting out their pretty much their strongest team available to them each week that's something Limerick have to deal with um, you know Limerick were hurling well yesterday and even in the first half they were still getting great scores and it took a while for Watford to actually show the dominance of having the one extra man so again you know like Liam Cal was saying like they'll be in no fear of them at the moment they, John Kiley won't be looking at this thinking God we're in bother here they're not at all um, they hurled with, with, with 14 men for the majority of the game and still you didn't know were they going to win or lose the match yeah. so they're not in a bad position no, at all No I don't think they are I think they're they're going fine Tipperary Galway game then on Saturday this was you, you know it was a good game there was an awful lot of wides in it and like, mm. I mean no matter how good the game can be the wides just suck the life out of it don't they they're like yeah. another one it was yeah, 30 yeah. in total Yeah I, again I think it's just symptomatic really of where we are, we're still early enough on. Players are still shooting from from from. I suppose, well, I suppose the fact that they haven't got a lot of shooting in games done at this stage. Um, it was a good game. Galway seemed to be just a small bit off the pace. They weren't as as lively as they were the week before against Limerick, where um, Tipperary really seemed to be on form and took their chances really, which I thought was the difference. Like the ball was going up to the full forward line with with Galway. And the ball just wasn't sticking. They were fumbling a small bit and, and Ronan Marr and Cahill Barrett and these lads were coming out with the ball. So at the other end then, once the ball was going up, we saw John O'Dwyer getting a good few points. Um, Noel McGrath was on form. So I think the big difference between them was the opportunities were there on both sides, but Tipperary just took them and they looked a small bit more livelier, livelier all over the pitch. Yeah. What do you think of the Conor uh, Whelan out around the half-forward line? Like, I mean, is that... Yeah. Is that is, are Tipperary looking at that going, thank God he's out there? Well, I'd be looking at it going, thank God for sparking him. But uh, yeah, no, I t- uh, uh, he 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 wasn't in the game a huge amount now um, on uh, like on, on the weekend. But I'd say, to be honest, you know, Conor Whelan will drift back in towards corner forward. Look, even Joe Canning was out around midfield. I don't think we'll be seeing Joe there for the championship, even though he got on quite a bit of ball and he was he was getting involved. 
Um, I still think you know Joe will pop up into around centre forward or wing forward and they'll push Conor Whelan back in because Conor Whelan's dangerous around the goal he's the man you have where you'll send the ball down into the corner he'll come out break it and you know he'll just push the man away and tap it over the bar and that's where he's most dangerous so Look, again, we're seeing teams trying a few things. I don't think we'll see Conor Whelan out there come come championship. Yeah, no, probably not. Dahi Burke struggled in the... We're talking about the two-man full forward line for, for Tipperary. Mm. Dahi Burke didn't really like that because he's your traditional three. And maybe, yeah. you know, that makes sense yeah. um, against a fella like that. He wants to be on the edge of the square and he'll dominate most fellas. But, like, I mean, he didn't look... I know it was his first game back as well and you yeah. can't be judging. But he he didn't... I wouldn't say he likes that these two-men <laughs> full forward lines. Yeah, look, full back lines like space being closed... Down, they like knowing where they're going and if I was any manager managing against any team not just against Galway and asking how are we going to manage Dahi Burke you know what you're going to say is pull them out of position you know Dahi Burke is the best full back in the country standing on the edge of the box um, so what you're going to say is well he wants to stand there let's try and pull him around okay if we don't manage to do it we don't manage to do it but ask questions of him bring him out and around because if you do unhinge Dahi Burke that's a fair linchpin in the, in the Galway defence you know unhinged there so what you want to kind of do is drag him around and he wasn't as influential really which is probably a compliment to Dahi Burke in the influence he has on games that he wasn't as influential in the game and he did look a small bit uncomfortable but again was his first game back and you know tip were lively and the ball that was being fed in were, was good so look Again, we'll see it with a few more games if other teams go at Galway in this way. But yeah, he didn't. He didn't really like it. But I, I suppose I wouldn't really like it either. To be honest, no, I don't think anyone would like. Like the one, to, Bubbles is flying it in there. We'll talk about him in a minute. John McGrath, I, th- I think he needs to, you know, um, maybe have a couple more games in there or whatever but one thing about Bubbles and John McGrath is that when you compare them to Galan and Flanagan who are the best at this is they're two totally different players and mm. McGrath and Bubbles might need a lot better ball than what the other two boys mean like I mean sh- should those two inside be a big band small man combination for example you know is that, yeah. is that the best way or like, I even remember from Gaelic football when you pick two kind of smaller fast lads it's like geez, you really have to give them perfect ball do you yeah. know that kind yeah. of a way where it'd be yeah. nice the odd time not to have to give that perfect ball yeah yeah it's true that if you're to, if you're to compare like with like um, the ball you'd be feeding in towards uh, John McGrath and Bubbles Dwyer wouldn't be ideal for them if it's the type of ball that feeding the Limerick forwards where you see John McGrath and, and Bubbles Dwyer getting their scores from nearly seems to be you know they're well capable of winning their own ball and they did win great ball at the weekend but when they drift out a small bit and it's similar it's it's playing off let's say the per, playing on the peripheries really the ball lands in and they just kind of they come around the player in possession get a ball and this, see they'll stick it over from the sideline from anywhere they want but I don't think pinging this ball into the corner in a foot race with most full backs at the moment they're not lightning they are fast certainly they're fast and they have great skill but I think the ball that they want is more so they'll come out and, and, a, and a player will feed it into them instead of this long fast ball into the corner it doesn't necessarily suit them a whole lot but having said that they got good decent enough return off at the weekend Yeah maybe they're, so they're not really looking for that direct ball they're waiting for the player to move up and maybe coming around on the outside maybe Yeah or you, see, you see them changing position quite a lot and they move around and Bubbles Dwyer got a few scores uh, I don't know how to get them off different sides but you saw him drifting and a ball would break off and he's there supporting the man in possession the ball gets popped out to him and he sticks it over the bar they're, you know and it's it's again it's great trait to have in your corner forwards that they're able to I suppose some other, someone else is after I suppose winning a hard ball they're there in support tap it over the bar so that's the kind of the balls they like to win really and, and, and put over the bar 
Right. Okay. Finally, Michael Breen impact. Like, I mean, he's an unusual one, Breen, right? In that he could score five from play without batting an eyelid. Like, I mean, so he's obviously very accurate. He's a huge physical specimen of a man. Mm. So what's, how is this fella not like, I mean, you know, a nailed on midfielder? What are are we missing? What am I missing here? I don't know. Um, Like I always looked at like Michael Breen over the years and he's really impressive. He's so powerful and he gets this ball and he runs straight. And he's very accurate. He's extremely accurate. And when you see when he gets the ball, he runs straight at goal down through the middle. Again, because not many players will challenge him. He nearly looks like another Marlborough, really, when you look at him, because he's so physical and how he's built. But um, like that now, again, I, I suppose really it's Liam Sheedy is looking at horses for courses and what does he need in that position? Because from what I see when Michael Breen plays, he delivers and he'll he'll usually get you three points really from midfield. But like you said, he could go out and very easily, and I'd say he's won a good few man of the matches in his day because he'll go out and knock over six points from you from play great energy he'll break up a good few balls so I mean look I'm not saying that Michael Rubin should be asking questions as to why he isn't starting but he seems to always give a reason as to why he should be starting Yeah yeah, that's it like I mean for a midfielder to be getting the kind of scores that he does and then not to be the guaranteed player Cahill Bard was talking after the match and he started talking we're a work in progress Liam Sheedy was talking about a work in progress like I mean uh, this is obviously the party line but at what, yeah. t- at what stage does he start telling his team the progress is over here, lads. Yeah. Uh, like when two weeks before the Munster Championship, and I think when you stop hitting fifteen wides in a game, you're you're all right. No, but the, like, look again. I know teams will say this, and and managers will always give the party line of look, we're a work in progress. But they are a work in progress. Yeah, I mean, no, it is the truth. Yeah, it is the truth. What point do they say that we're not? Because he needs to tell them now. He, ne- I'm sure he needs to get their confidence going and yeah. say, lads, he have this now. Yeah. Does he just need to see one boom, one great performance? Now yeah. he can really ram it into them lads this is it yeah yeah look I, I suppose we saw a flicker of it at the weekend you know we saw great performances Cottle Barrett hurled really well Noel McGrath hurled well Ronan Maher was hurling Paddy Maher again was back at it so what you, I suppose what they're looking at at the moment is we have players who are coming along and who are really starting to perform now and it's trying to bring the rest of those players with it um, and, and, and I suppose culminate in a really good team performance you couldn't say the other day and no team can say up to now that they've played a full 70 minutes and that's what we want to be doing come championship I don't think any team wants to hit that at this stage anyway because you're then looking at maintaining that all the way through to the All-Ireland so teams will be quite happy at the moment that if they're showing flickers of it and each week it's that percent that 2% 3% and they're going in the right direction and you always hear managers saying that we're headed in the right direction that's what teams are looking at and at the moment if player, if management and players in interviews are saying that they're being 100% honest there's no team at the moment looks to finish article and Tipperary are definitely headed in the right direction so look Carl Barrett little bit of the party line the weekend but he is right they're not to finish article but they're, they're going in the right direction and they're improving and he's one of the players that's been standing up for him as well. But is, is this an unusual year though, right? And I would take your point, like I'm sure when you were playing with Kenny, you were looking at a, a constant, you know, improvement with the aim of maybe Leinster final or semi-final and final. Look, now we're at our mm. very best. Like, Cork are playing Limerick. Yeah. Do you know, there's big games happening in a, in a, in a championship where yeah. can, are teams building, I know there's a back door, I suppose, but I'm sure, are they, are they thinking first round championship, we need to be at our very peak? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting one, but each, each team will look at what games they have coming up. And again, what I'd say, the, the exception is, is again, is who's playing Limerick. You know, teams will be looking going, we have Limerick When do we play town. Limerick? When do we play Limerick? <laughs> That's definitely a team where we want to probably put out Almost our strongest team. I don't see any team putting out, you know, uh, a, a, you know, a 
a, a team, a mock-up team really for Limerick. You're going to put out your best team. So Cork will be probably aiming for that, whereas other teams will play Limerick a little bit earlier and then they have this kind of, okay, we'll maybe try a few players here now and different things. So each team will have their own set plan as to how what way they want the league. But I think each team will come to the end of it saying, we want to be... We want to take a lot of positives for the end. That's the end game with this whole league. We don't want to be absolutely flying it. That's for championship. But we want to know enough about ourselves that we have a fair idea of our 15. We've put in solid performances and the team know what direction they're heading in. And then we'll fine tune it then coming for championship. No team really wants at the end of the league to be... Because like really, whoever remembers who wins the league, to be honest. You know, you want at the end of the league to know enough about yourself to know a ballpark of what idea 15 we're going to be starting the championship with and those players to have a certain level of confidence going for championship that they'll hit the ground running once the championship comes around yeah. so, so next week obviously is a, a week off mm-hmm. and then there'll be two last league games we're saying on Thursday we'll see much more competitive even though they have been competitive th- those last two league games with the yeah. week's rest will be good ones so in a, in a way that it, the, the, the Wexford game has kind of messed Kilkenny's preparations up a little bit in yeah. that they'll be going three in a row you know, leading into the championship rather than, I'm sure they would have planned three games, yeah. week rest. I want my team picked by then. Yeah. You know, I don't want to get, you know, it's it's messed. It is, yeah. It has messed Kilkenny up that way because, again, sure, Kilkenny haven't done anything wrong. So, and I know I'm speaking as a Kilkenny man, yeah. but Kilkenny haven't done anything wrong. And they were preparing accordingly that, you know, we'll play the last two games. And again, we're talking of this position of we'll know a bit about ourselves then and we're ready for championship. Instead now, Okay, we're going to train yesterday. We're going to have another match now next week, and we're now three weeks in a row. If if that's going to be the case, we're still waiting for the for the result at the moment of what the judgment's going to be. But yeah, it has kind of messed Kilkenny up again. But at the same time, Kilkenny can treat a match essentially with look. Okay, maybe we're going to try. They probably won't because they want to step back up into one A at the moment instead of being in one B. But yeah, it has messed up a small bit of preparations for Kilkenny. So. Um, it, it, it's knocked things out of kilter a small bit yeah ok alright great stuff Paul we'll come back with performance of the weekend alright performance of the weekend um, first nomination is Cahill Barrett he got uh, TG Cahill man of the match and it was a well deserved man of the match as a cornerback um, and leaving aside the, your clubmates incident with the same player <laughs> <laughs> High profile, you know, yeah. Carl Barrett. Um, probably you say Bonner Maher is very well liked throughout the country. You wouldn't say the same about Carl Barrett, but does a cornerback want to be liked or does he want to be, you know, very well liked by his teammates? Yeah, um, I don't think any player thinks about how, well, maybe they don't, I don't know, how, how they're revered throughout the country. But um, regardless, look, you have to call it as you see it. Carl Barrett had a great game the weekend and he's very effective for them. Very rarely has a bad match as well, but he got through a lot of nitty gritty balls, really. He was stuck to his man. I think the one that really stuck out the weekend that he was he was stuck down the corner and the corner forward was on him and it was literally on the end line and he fought and he fought, he got it and he got a free out for Tipperary. Like that ball was worth more than just physically winning the ball in the end line because he got a free out. It was more the fact of what the work rate he showed to the rest of the team that they're trying to get into their plan at the moment of we fight for every single ball even at the end line the whole way so he had a great performance um, yeah again he, he plays with that plays on the edge plays with that bit of a niggle in his yeah. game and you know is not afraid to get up in players faces so he had a great game and look Liam Sheedy will be delighted it's one less position really for him to be, be looking at or worrying about for yeah. come championship he's probably like he's nailed on for there though he's their best he's their go-to man marker isn't he he gets yeah. the unenviable job of picking up somebody you know who's the danger man and the opposition's team yeah yeah and I, I don't think like we say unenviable but I think he's happy enough because he knows that's your job out you go stick to him and sure he has the legs and he has the hurling. 
so he's happy enough I'm following this player that's my job and on you go OK uh, was Richie Hogan deservedly sent off in that All-Ireland? Uh, next question please <laughs> <laughs> What about Bubbles then? He uh he he's some man to stick one over off the left from the sideline, isn't he? Yeah, under, from under yeah. the stand. Yeah, I mean, he when he's on form, he he just doesn't hit wide bubbles, you know. And he's a he's a very he's really a confidence player, you know. He pops up in these positions and he'll strike him over from anywhere out around the sixty five on the sideline. And he just again similar to Noel McGrath, just seemed to enjoy himself at the weekend, picking up a few balls, putting them over, and again. Liam Sheedy will be delighted seeing this in, in, in Bubbles Dwyer that's what he needs him doing he needs him popping up getting the scores and again, again creating that threat in another place on the pitch that's the thing like I mean he looks in you know he looks flying fit he's in great shape he's um, movement is really good what's his best position do you think it's, which is a hard one to nail down I, lo- I love him at 11 where he mm. kind of gets that free roll he played there a couple of years ago and he was getting you know great yeah. scores drifting left and right Yeah. Um, what, what, what's your take on it yeah I think I think around the half forward line is, is, is the place for him because he doesn't like as good as he is at shooting he doesn't always just pull the trigger straight away he looks up and he feeds a good ball in so I think you know, very similar again to Noel McGrath have him out wherever you think he's going to get the most ball into his hand because he'll strike him over from 65 yards or if you have him in the corner he'll do a job as well so I think like you said out around 11 or anywhere along the half forward line it's a great place to have him because the ball will be coming through him and he'll he'll get himself on the ball and he'll put him over from anywhere so somewhere there I think if I'm a Tipperary supporter I'd be saying that's, that's where you playing. like to see I suppose Jamie, Fla- or Jamie Callan is back he'll take one of those two inside positions Damien Hayes always maintains that uh, Bubbles is the best striker of the ball like I mean you know definitely mm. up there with Joe Canning like just with the wrists it's yeah. just effortless for him Yeah it is and he doesn't seem to he doesn't have much of a pullback really like or he just gets the ball wrists and it's a nice little sweet stroke over the bar like we said hardly hits any of them wrong hardly hits any wides just a great strike of a ball and yeah like when he's on form it doesn't matter where he is so yeah I'd agree with Damien Hayes there great striker of the ball Conor Prunty did very well in Galan I think Conor Prunty did very well on Galan in the All-Ireland final and I think Galan got one or two points towards the end am I mm. right in saying but Prunty yeah. was, did a very good job on him the whole way through yeah he did and he did a lot of work yesterday as well he, I mean he got a great black, uh, block on Flanagan in the first half um, Flanagan was essentially through on goal and Prunty just kept the hurl, kept the eye on the ball and got a great block, went out for 65. But if Flanagan got that goal, it could have changed. Even if he got sent off later on, it could have changed the, the dynamic of the game. But um, he gets great ball. He's very solid. Again, like having a good full back there that you can have, that you know you're not worrying who are we going to play full back. Not only who are we going to play, but you know that Conor Prunty is one of the best in the country um, at the moment. Certainly on form, you'd probably say he probably is the best at the moment. And like you said, okay, Waterford didn't have a great final, but Conor Prunty still went about his business in the All Ireland final. Still did a good, really good job, and he just a great player each week. And you know, probably with someone like myself who looks at full back lines, it, um, he really does stand out when he's playing in there. Yeah, uh, Shane O'Donnell um, scored one one. We only saw highlights of this, but his goal was fantastic. He like did a, a pirouette, yeah. but then like I'd be dizzy enough after that. But he <laughs> continued on and, and absolutely buried it. Set up the goal well. Um, scored a, a goal and a point. I'd like to get your take on him because I kind of I I make the point here that he flatters to deceive. When I see him in a big game, I don't see him doing enough to warrant his reputation. And then I've had other pundits on here who I think JJ Delaney would say that you're wrong now on him. You know he's yeah, a yeah. very good player. I wonder what 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 do you think? Of yeah, him? he's he, he's a brilliant player. I think the biggest threat, and you could probably say it about any player, or you, you say it with Shane O'Donnell more than any player in the country, is that 
you don't know on any day, and it's not to it's you know it's it's not to insult him, but on any day he could do either or. But when he does do it, he can completely take over a match. And the skill he showed in the match uh, in the match of the weekend for the second goal, I thought was just incredible. Like the little flick across, yeah. and you know the players had to double on it to score the goal. But he's a handful. He's an absolute handful, and he's a little bit unorthodox compared to other players as well that you would play in the full forward line. But he gets a ball, and if he runs at you. You know, there's arms going everywhere. There's legs going everywhere. We saw against Galway a few years ago. The Galway full for, or full back line did his best to try and trip him up, and they couldn't. And he scored a goal down Semple Stadium. So he's he's an electric player. He's a, he's a very good player. He's excellent. He's an excellent player. So I think it's more of a matter of Clare freeing him up and giving him a chance to perform because I don't think nerves get to him. He just goes in, plays his game, and if they can free him up he'll get you the goals and we talked about it the weekend you know team, some teams are struggling to find goals if you've Shane O'Donnell in your team you'll find goals you know yeah definitely what about uh, Alan Connolly he got 2-1 um, saw the highlights of this as well this lad has something about him I'm yeah. calling this now maybe it's not a huge call like he was brilliant for Blackrock but he they, when he came on against Tip he he caught two great balls that yeah. like I mean what don't always stick to every player yeah. I think uh, by the end of this year he'll be he'll be a starter in the full forward line yeah he could be um, like you said he's kind of coming out of left of field now but you know showed really good signs now and you know great goal as well and again something they'll be looking for is to get another person who could potentially stick the ball in the net there so yeah he had great signs great hand in him as well looked lively and looked full of confidence just kind of again one of these players who just kind of seems to throw the shackles off and We'll probably have to see a small bit more from him, but certainly a player who could have that spark when it comes to championship. Very unlucky for Westmead being in that group, isn't it? Because you see mm. Leash and Antrim, and like Clare aren't going brilliant. Clare aren't going to completely destroy, you know, Leash mm. or and Antrim beat Clare. So now, and Dublin probably, you know, won't yeah. destroy Leash or Clare. Cork, Tip, Limerick, you yeah. know, yeah. it's lousy on Westmead, really, isn't it? Because that yeah. one B, that two, one B isn't at the same we'll destroy you by 30 points yeah it's, kind of level. It, it's not but at the same time like these are the steps Westmead will be delighted to be up there the status of being up there in 1A which they fully deserve it, it is tough being up there and taking those defeats but I think Westmead will understand look this is the level and they've now seen the level and I think we've seen of the you know the different levels between let's say when it comes to championship the Christy Rings and the Nicky Rackards that you know they've worked by by letting teams sample both the lower grades and the upper grades. They really get a gauge that there's not a huge gulf developing. I mean, it's great to see Westmead up there. Okay, they've taken a few beatings, but they're like they are playing in the the real top tier at the moment. But I'd say if you asked Antrim, Antrim, do you want to play in one A next year? They'll say 100, percent even though they see what's happening to Westmead. Ah, uh, no you, way! You just, I wouldn't go near it. Well, you want to be up really? there. I think if you're any, if you're competitive, do you have in one B? Do you have a mixture of both? You know, you have Kilkenny on one hand, you know, mm. but you also have a Dublin or a Kil- or a Clare that you know yeah. won't make a show out. Of I suppose you. if you want to prepare for championship and they're saying, look, we want to go through a league and maybe win a few matches, get the win and feel and so on. Okay, one B is the place for you, but if you're you know, really competitive. You want to say, look, when we were in 1A, when we were playing, we were in 1A, okay, we took a few beatings and whatever, but we want to be up there. We want to perform at that level. You're not going to turn it on overnight, but you still want to be up there saying, we played against Tipperary, we played against Cork, we played against these teams, and we're at least putting our best side out, attempting to really be competitive with these teams. And look at, there's no point in hanging around in 1B for your whole life. You want to be up in 1A. No, you definitely do. I remember I did a show with Shane Dowling about five years ago. This is just kind of show your attitude, this winning attitude. And uh, Shane Dowling uh, said to me, five years ago, they were in 1B. 
and he was like, we're not too bad in 1B, actually. We don't really see, you know, 1A is very, very hard. You have to hit the ground running. You have to peak very, very early or you'll go down. We're quite happy in 1B. And it wasn't until they got out of 1B before they started yeah. winning all their... <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, you're hurling every week if you're in 1A. Well, I understood the logic of what yeah, he was yeah. saying, but still, that's that's not the way you're thinking. You no. would want to get in and play every game, you know, at well, that highest level. play against level. the best because it's the best preparation for championship, really. Yeah, no, exactly. Caelan Lyons, big fan of his all-action, three points from play. He, I think he was on Tom Morrissey for a lot of the games. So, like, I mean, shut him out of it. Although Tom mm. Morrissey had an outrageous point from the sideline. Yeah. He caught that kind of down on the ball, did he? Yeah, he did, yeah. And yeah. Uh, then stuck it over. But Caelan Lyons, um, three from play, all action. His yeah. long range points were going over. He always yeah. looks good. He looked good when they're going over. Yeah. And, um, you know, a very exciting player, I suppose. He is, yeah. And I, I, I think as well, a player can feel unlucky maybe. Or, you know, he wasn't far off an all-star last year. He was really consistent with Waterford. And kind of even in the Munster Championship last year, he was one of the players who was really standing out. He was darting up that right wing. He is savage running in him. But he also knows what he wants to do. He doesn't get the nosebleed when he gets up there. He knows, get the ball, and he's well capable of getting points. So he's a great player, great player to watch and just goes about his business again. No simple task marking Tom Morrissey the weekend, but he went up and knocked over three points of his own, but still did his defensive duty. So really good performance out of him and seems to be a great fella on the pitch. Yeah, if if Caelan Lyons or Jamie Barron have the ball, I'm not looking for a pass. You're not getting it. No, you, no. Just, <laughs> you could take it. Take a minute to take a break then. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but Barron's unreal for breaking onto a loose ball and just being gone, isn't He's he? He's gone, like, yeah. He just, he just stays running and he just gets through a huge amount of work. And even earlier on in the match, I noticed it. Even when Watford didn't... Waterford didn't take off straight away. They took a while to warm into the match. But Jamie Barron from the start was, was there. He was getting on balls. He was running through. And it was almost like he was demanding out of the Waterford lads. Like he's making the runs and he's popping the passes and he's moving. It, it nearly demanded the Waterford players to come on. Like as in, Jamie Barron's getting through the work here. We have to start getting the run. And he seems to pull Waterford into matches. Certainly someone that if any team is playing against him you look at Jamie Barron straight away which isn't a common out of midfielders you look at Jamie Barron you say that's someone what are we going to do with him and it's something we would have always looked at what are we going to do with Jamie Barron so and he but look Jamie Barron will do his own thing because you have to match him for running first of all that's it. he's like an extra forward really mm. isn't he like you yeah. nearly need to put a, a defender on him because yeah. he's, he's everywhere we talked a lot uh, final one is Dara Gray um, he scored three points or four points depending what report um, you read we only saw one of them on League Sunday um, last night which was a lovely score for a, mm. for a wing back I don't know did he, does he play in the forwards for his club or he definitely looked a, a natural um, off the left hand side but now you've, da- you've maybe Dara Gray you have uh, Liam Rush and you have Moran on the other side like I mean we talked about the half back line with Dublin and when they're messing around with it yeah. that doesn't look too bad No that looks good now and like you said they're able to score it's nearly a feature now of half backs that they have to be required to chip in with one or two points um, if the opportunity comes up but uh, no Dara Gray he's you know he's been showing good form now and um, again the fact that he popped up with which, whichever it was three or four points that'll be encouraging for him and yeah like Dublin are taking shape now with the half back line which again it'll be hopefully a good launching pad they mightn't be looking for even though I think kind of Chris Crummy it's a great place to have him is in the half back line but they might necessarily need him now he might be able to stay up there with Liam Rush holding it at at centre back so yeah look Dara Gray performing well Dublin will be delighted with that yeah they definitely will Um, and Hayes' goal was a great bit of skill wasn't it the way he didn't catch it he took it onto the hurl and just stuck it into the net yeah just stuck it it was a great bit of skill didn't didn't panic at all and was unselfish at the start just to pop it off but then the ball came back to him so yeah great goal out of him so it's um it was a good finish and, and well needed for him. Yeah, exactly right. So performance of the weekend, we'll give it to Connor Prunty because that's twice 
twice on Galan and like maybe once we say he was lucky twice or no he probably oh he did well on him in the Munster final too or was yeah, it, that was I the Munster final wasn't it was it? Munster final yeah yeah. Um, yeah down there that kind of or that uh, it was a close enough game I think there was four or five in it so he, he has the he has the beatings of Galan definitely so Conor Prunty performance of the weekend right we'll leave it there we'll come back on Thursday I think I might do some sort of show there's no hurling um, next weekend but we'll, we'll, we'll do something um, we'll talk to you all then good luck No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do. No, we don't. A donkey eat and a donkey eat a pallet. There's nothing else to eat. He was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, filth. But I burst out laughing watching <laughs> <laughs>